Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. For many people of colour in tight-knit communities, there is one of three career pathways, doctor, lawyer, or engineer. But what if you want to change the world in your own way? This was true for today's guest, Eno Oduok, a first-generation Nigerian-American who couldn't see any Nigerian representation in the communications field. Rather than following her peers, Eno forged her own path and created Nigercom, an online space that's dedicated to spotlighting Nigerian professionals in creative industries. In today's episode, Eno shares why representation is so important, what her family thinks of her taking her own path, and what it's like being a CEO at just 22 years old. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome, and please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project, so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs, and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome, Eno. Eno, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in media and business, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. Where do I begin? So, hey everyone, I'm NL. I am a Nigerian Houstonian, a first generation Nigerian American, Houston native, born and raised. Um, oof, wow. Like, I am a passionate storyteller, your favorite hustler, <laughs> uh, typical Aquarius, <laughs> all of that stuff. And for me, I'm really passionate about amplifying people's voices and stories. Um, in the community, especially overlooked stories. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I'm also the founder of Nightjar.com. So cool. Oh my goodness, Eno. And I can't wait to go deeper into your story and into the business. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what was it like growing up in Houston? And, you know, how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life? and in your career so far? Wow, yeah, yeah. Honestly, growing up in Houston is a vibe. You know, it's one of the largest um, cities in the U.S. Also, it's one of the most diverse cities in the U.S., of course, and it has a huge Nigerian population. The city is like one of the top five largest cities with the largest Nigerian population. So I had that representation um, around me as far as like the Nigerian culture, Nigerian American culture. So I never really felt left out. The only thing that was different was in my inner circle of like Nigerians, they all pursued like STEM fields, like as for careers, like doctors, lawyers, engineers. And I was the only one who was in something that wasn't STEM related. Like I loved communications and design. So although I had that Nigerian representation around me, I just didn't have that specific representation of seeing Nigerians in overlooked career fields around me. But I knew they were out there though. So that's one of the reasons why I created Nijakom. But yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. (laughs) So, so interesting. It's so amazing because I'm half Nigerian and Mm -hmm. obviously born and raised in Oz and, you know, still learning about the Nigerian side of me. I'm half Greek as well. So that was very dominant for me growing up and very much the Greek culture was how I was kind of the culture I was raised in. But it seems like for you, it was really that dominant Nigerian culture. You know, when you were younger, what did that mean for you? You you know, like what did it mean growing up in that community and that vibe? And what were some of the things that you learned about yourself? in the early days. Yeah, yeah. It it meant a lot to me, you know, having that representation around me, having people I can relate to, I can bounce ideas off of or experiences off of. of, And I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm the only one who goes through this. Oh, I'm the only Nigerian American in this classroom. I never had that. So I'm glad I had that experience. I know not everyone has that. So I'm very honored and very privileged to have that. So it meant the world to me, to be honest. And for our peers out there listening who feel like they didn't have that privilege of growing up with a lot of representation around them of their community, of their people, you know, and perhaps they're struggling to understand their identity, who they really are, what they're about, even from that cultural perspective, you know, what would you say to us in terms of trying to get to know ourselves and our cultures better? Yeah, yeah, no, I know there's a lot of people that have gone through that um, honestly, you know, you're never alone. There is that representation out there. It might not be in your inner circle or your inner city, but it's always out there, whether you're connecting with those people online, whether you're having like, you know, calls with them, FaceTimes or Zoom chats, getting to know them, connecting online. Like there's always um, an opportunity and a resource out there to go above and beyond. So definitely like seek out those resources and those opportunities. Was there ever a point in your journey where you just felt like that representation wasn't there and you felt quite alone and 
Like you had to really dig deep and seek out those people. And if so, how did you go about that and what was that experience like? Yeah, yeah. So like I mentioned before, although like I did have that Nigerian representation around me um, culturally, I didn't have the the career um, representation of like overlooked fields, not just like, you know, STEM fields. So like I didn't have that representation of seeing Nigerians in design and Nigerians in PR in my inner circle. So I think that was one of the biggest things that I felt alone in. And, you know, growing up, you know, I had doubts of whether I wanted to continue pursuing communications and, you know, design and all these things because I didn't see that around me. But when I got to college, that's when I started seeing a little bit representation, like two Nigerian women in PR. And I thought that was the coolest thing because I didn't see that before. But then it made me think like there has to be more. And so which led me to go online <laughs> and and I wanted to find that community but I didn't see like a Nigerian men, women organization on Instagram. I didn't see that at the time or Nigerian communications. And then I kept looking for other overlooked disciplines that were like non-STEM related and I didn't see it as well. So it, it motivated me to like create Nigel.com. So <laughs> it was one of those situations where I didn't see it. So I created it kind of thing. One of those things, it's like, I guess, you know, the saying, be the change you want to see. I guess it's it's like that. I was living that out. And so that's how that happened. It's so cool. And I want to talk more about that. I think, you know, so many of us, we come up against problems and challenges and that we face in our day-to-day lives, but we, you know, we, we don't really think to create something out of it. You know, it's not a natural progression, I guess. You know, we might think about it, but we may not do it. You know, for you, I know you're super young, like 22 or something. So talk to me a little bit about when you came up with the idea, why you decided to execute on it and some of the early challenges that you faced. Yeah, yeah. Those are great questions. So yeah, um, I started it when I was 21. So my first semester of my senior year in college. Um, <laughs> I feel like I had not your traditional um, senior experience. Everyone's over here going to football games and I'm like, oh, let me create <laughs> this thing. Um, yeah, like honestly, I think I'm one of the few entrepreneurs who didn't really start it just to become an entrepreneur. I guess for me, I'm a really passionate storyteller and I was seeing this community I didn't um, see before online. So it motivated me to create that because I could relate to it and I wasn't seeing that representation. I didn't really care for entrepreneurship, which sounds crazy, even though I know how important it is. That wasn't my intention of starting NC. It was more so to provide that community for people who can relate to me, people who had similar experiences as me of not seeing that representation. And as far as like, hmm, early challenges, I guess this is my first time, you know, being an entrepreneur. So there's a lot of things I had to do from scratch. There's a lot of things I had to learn, like intellectual property, different methods of funding, like the the not so glamorous sides of entrepreneurship. That's something I had to learn early on, as well as, you know, figuring out like, what is my niche for my brand? That's, that's an important thing. Like what what makes you stand out compared to other brands out there? It was a lot of things I had to learn early on. And, um, you know, and that's fine. It's okay to like figure those things out, especially in the beginning. You know, it's, it's not like set in stone. So it's, it's okay. So those are my early challenges. And I'm, I'm glad I went through them. It was a learning experience that I definitely needed. I want to talk a bit more about why it's important to have representation. It's so interesting in this day and age. I think we talk about it a lot now. Everything is in the forefront mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the black community, 
having that representation, elevating our voices, you know, diverse voices, diverse stories, all of that amazing good stuff. But I want to go a bit deeper, you know, for you as a 21 year old, you know, back then, why was it so important for you to create this? And why do you think it's important to have that representation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was important for me to create it is because like during my upbringing, I never really saw it in my inner circle. So I was really seeking that community that I didn't really like grow up with, you know? So like in our cultural community, you know, STEM fields are very, are emphasized heavily and those are great fields, but like, you know, you don't need to be in STEM in order to succeed. You don't need, you know, to be a doctor or a lawyer in order to thrive in the society. In all honesty, I know, <laughs> I know some entertainers and, and people in communications that make more than, you know, some of these people's favorite lawyers. And that's just a reality. And so they should be celebrated too. So that was really important to me that, you know, anyone can succeed in this world and you can follow your dreams and still make a living out of it. Or you can follow your dreams and still thrive. Like that's very possible and they should deserve to be celebrated just as much as doctors and lawyers and engineers. You know, it, it, I understand why they are celebrated, of course, but still just because you're not a doctor doesn't mean you're a disappointment, you know? So it was super important. I think that's so true for our peers out there listening who have been told if you're not a doctor, if you're not a lawyer, if you're not an engineer, you're a failure, you know, go out there and do it. And I think it's a lot with the ethnic community, the ethnic Mm -hmm. groups. It's, you know, we need to go off and do that path. I mean, I know for me, for sure, it was, you know, finance, business, go off and do that. That's really going to get you far. And I think I sucked at maths. So I look back and wonder <laughs> how I got through my finance course and, you know, worked in, you know, in, in finance for that short period of time. You know, for our peers out there listening who feel like they have to do that because they're told that's the only way to be successful. What would be your advice to them? What would you say to them? And for you, how did you break out of that stereotype that was almost put on you because of where you grew up and how you grew up. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel that like for me, um luck- luckily for me, my family have always been supportive of me. They they don't really know what PR is or like how <laughs> working in social media what that's about, but they've always supported me because they knew, you know, I would find something that I was passionate about. They they knew I'm really um passionate about the things that I do, but I know I know of other people whose parents that were not that, you know, supportive. <laughs> and I love them. I still love them and their parents, but like yeah, it's out there, but honestly, like you're living this life for yourself, nobody else. And I know it, it you want to please everyone and you want to please your family. But at the end of the day, that's not going to make you happy if you're unhappy, you know, like you can't, you're going to be miserable following someone else's dream. So um, it's going to be hard, but def- definitely figure out what, you know, your passion is. What, why are you here? What is your purpose in life? Or what do you want it to be? Um, That could definitely provide some insight for sure. How did you find your passion? Mm, oh, I love that question. I think for me, it took me a while, like um, during college, you know, for sure. Like, just like a lot of people, I was trying to figure out who I was or, you know, what I, what I want out of this world. What, how do I want to contribute to this world? And I realized that everything that I did had this one core message and it was to amplify people's voices and stories, whether it's through PR or social, I noticed that that's what 
made me feel really good. That's what motivated me. So that's how I found my passion through the things that I love doing, like communications, designing, um, doing social and like just listening to people's stories and talking with them. That motivated me. That's how I found out. Rappies out there listening who feel like they just, they're trying, you know, they're trying to find their passion They're They're trying to understand what their purpose is, but they keep just going down these paths that are just so wrong for them. And then they struggle. They almost are losing hope that maybe, you know, they're just not meant to have a passion or a purpose. And, you know, they're meant to just float through life. You know, what advice would you give to us? How can we get clear on this for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's valid. You know, it's okay if you don't know what your passion is, or um, if you're unsure of what it could be or should be. It's okay. Life is ever changing, and you know, nobody's perfect. Life isn't even perfect in itself. So you're gonna figure out something one day. It might not be today. <laughs> it might not be when you're 15 years old, or maybe even 40. There's people who are in their 40s and 50s who are still trying to figure it out, and that's completely fine. Take as much time as you need, but just know that it's okay. It's okay. Oh, I love this, Eno. I want to talk a bit more about the business and your journey over the last kind of two years. So, you know, you mentioned that in the early days, it was just coming up against these hurdles that were more around like the basics of business that you needed to know and understand, you know, what has the journey been like since then? And how have you built this business? Because I also know on the side, you've been working to support yourself, you know, talk to us a little bit about how this has worked for you. And I guess what the journey has been like so far. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's been very unpredictable. I think that's the, the perfect <laughs> yeah. word to describe it. Um, you know, again, like coming into this journey as like someone who didn't really plan on being an entrepreneur, just coming in for the sole purpose of amplifying people's voices and stories and providing that community type of space. It was bigger than what I ever imagined. <laughs> like I wanted it to be like a, a little small social thing. Like I didn't expect it to turn into a full on brand and do half the things we have done today. Like we collaborated with HBO in less than a year. Um, we've had various guest speakers, including an Olympian on our platform. And then after a year and a month, we made it on Forbes 30 under 30. Like if you were to tell me this when we created NC, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> I would have been very like shocked, you know, and it's, it's been such a journey, but it's exciting. And it's like, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow or in a month. And so it's just been wild, but in the best way. I want to talk a bit about the dark side of business. You know, mm. you alluded to it earlier on and you said like, it's definitely there. I want to talk a little bit about that. I feel like entrepreneurship is glamorized so much. Mm. Oh, it's so cool to have a startup and oh my goodness. But people don't understand the financial side of what's <laughs> involved, you know, how much it weighs on you as the CEO, as the founder to execute, to do, to push the business forward. What, is your take on the dark side of business and what has been your experience of it? Yeah, yeah. So my take on it, honestly, like it, it can be very tough. There's days where you have to like stay up past, <laughs> past certain hours more than the average human to get stuff done. There's things where there might be times where things might not go your way and it might be super frustrating. You have to figure out where do we go from here? It can be crazy, but like, you know, you have to persevere. You have to keep going. Even if you don't want to, if you want to make it work, you have to keep going. If this is something you truly care about, 
You have to put in those hours. You have to, you know, go above and beyond to make it work some days. Um, for me, I think the darkest sides were like basically, you know, learning about intellectual property and um, different methods of funding. Cause you know, like that's not something people really talk about in schools, like unless you get in those classes in college. But other than that, if you are not majoring in, you know, entrepreneurship or like um, certain aspects of business, you might not learn that. So there's a lot of things I had to learn from scratch. And there's things I was kind of frustrated on where I'm like, oh, like, you know, I would have like known this if I majored in this in college or like that. But it's like, it's, it's already done. So I have to like learn it. So I think intellectual property and different methods of funding were like the darkest moments, but like they are so needed, like intellectual property, you need that protection over, you know, your brand and your assets. So you, one of those things is not glamorous, but you have to, <laughs> you have to have it because, you know, of the consequences out here, if you don't have it, you know, how people will take from you, steal from you. And then, then you're going to be in a situation that's 10 times worse than like, if you weren't protected, you know? So those were definitely the darkest moments having to learn that, but I'm glad I persevered and I learned it and um, I got the intellectual property. And then I figured out what type of method of funding would work best for, you know, NC and, you know, what we have going on. What were those types of funding that worked best? I think these are the questions that appears out there listening and like, but how did she do this? You know, what were those types of funding and why was intellectual property so important for you? Did someone steal from you? You know, Mm -hmm. tell us the gory details of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So for finance, um, with us, we like to explore different methods. So like basically if we're collaborating with a brand, we'll get commission off their, you know, off their merch if we are promoting their brand, for instance, or there's people who will reach out and be like, Hey, could we promote this in this business? I'm like, okay, here's a fee, you know, promotions like that. Or, um, you know, let's say services. There's one person who's like, Hey, like, I see that you guys do writing on this and like y'all are featured in that. Like, is there a way y'all can like write this piece for like our band? We do that as well. So a lot of services, um, that's some of it. And then, um, for intellectual property, why that was so important for me because I no one stole from me, thank God. Mm, thank God. <laughs> but, but like I've heard the stories, I've seen it, and like you can you see the aftermath and how much of a struggle it is for for this person who you know someone stole their identity and they have to go through so much and like and it hurts because like you built this thing and then just for someone to take from you, it's the worst feeling. So I knew from the beginning like if if this was something I was going to take seriously, I had to make sure I was protected in all types of ways, having a trademark having copyright um but yeah i had to google i had to learn okay what's the difference between trademarking and copywriting you know which one would i need for my brand all that stuff but yeah it was so necessary how do we get through the tough grueling times where we're up late at night we're hustling hard we're trying to figure out all these weird terms like trademark and whatever it is like how do we keep going while still maintaining your full-time job your full-time life you know how do we juggle the two and how do we stick at it because the journey can be so long and grueling yeah yeah that's like another side of entrepreneurship Mm. having like balancing both worlds and um i for me it was really big on making sure that i have enough time for both and sometimes not you know doing things at the same time so let's say for my full-time job if there's a major event happening i'll make sure any nc events happen like before or after i'll try my like my best to keep it separate but there are a few instances where it might like you know happen during the same time frame which um you know again 
there's more than one way to do something. So it's not like the end of the world if it happens during the same time frame. But um, I try to keep it separate. Major events, I keep it separate from my full time and um, my full time, I keep it separate from NC just so that they can all have a dedicated like, you know, attention from me and my team and everything. But yeah, there are times where you have to wake up early for like a business meeting for NC or like wake up early for a full-time job meeting, all that stuff. So there are times you're gonna have to be up early or you're gonna have to be up super late. And it it sucks sometimes, but it's so worth it. And you produce um, great results from whatever campaign you're doing or whatever, um, you know, comes out of, you know, the things that you do. So it sounds cliche, but time management, managing your time in a way that works best for you. Oh my goodness. And this is just so, so interesting. I'm mindful of your time. I could honestly go for days with you. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about some key questions that I have. And the first one is what has been your greatest failure and win to date? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. One of my biggest accomplishments was like making NC. I think for me, I'm not much of like a risk taker. Well, I wasn't before NC. I wasn't much of a risk taker, but creating NC was a risk in itself because it was something I took a chance on, even though I had no prior background in entrepreneurship and I didn't even know where I would go with this, but I took that risk. I was so confident in it and I did that. And I'm so proud of myself till this day for for doing that because it has inspired me in so many ways. And it has also poured into different aspects of my life where it's like, now I feel comfortable taking a risk. You know, I'm I'm not so worried about that or second guessing that. So that's definitely one of my biggest ones. For NC, I would say collaborating with HBO was a major one. That one happened in less than a year of NC's existence. And we never saw that coming. (laughs) It just came by surprise. It was like, well, it's actually happened. Like, this is so cool. Um, But yeah, those, those two things. But as far as failure, I can't think of anything. Um, I'm, of course, everyone takes losses in their life. There's no major loss that I took that really like body rocked my life for sure. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I love it. I love mm-hmm. that. And I think also that uh, the idea of failure, I love asking that question because I often feel like failures can be your greatest wins. You know, I feel like it's True. the way in which we look at things. And I think as entrepreneurs, you know, we're always oh, just as people we're programmed to like not fail and whatnot. But then when you become an mm. entrepreneur, you're failing. At least myself, I fail every day, multiple <laughs> times a day. And sometimes they're <laughs> really big, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. about, I guess, reframing that. So I guess, has there been a time mm. where you've had to reframe a failure that you've had, even if it wasn't the biggest you've had to date? Yeah. Yeah. Before I even get into this, I don't recommend anyone doing this. Okay. So like, so I filed a trademark without an attorney, right? And I don't recommend anyone doing that. Make sure you have an attorney. I did that. For, again, I was taking risks. <laughs> figuring it out. I was, yeah, I was figuring it out. I was being very impulsive with that. And so, yeah, I, I took a risk, Um, failed the first time. You know, I didn't get accepted the first time and then you had to like fix it and then, you know, submit it again. I got accepted <laughs> the second time. Still, it, it was a major risk because if I was to mess it up really badly, that can affect a lot of things, you know, and that was like, you know, trademarks don't get like approved in like a day or two. Sometimes it takes a year or years and you don't want to be five years with your brand and then your trademark is rejected because it's like, oh, like I've been using this name. I need that trademark in case somebody takes it. Right. So luckily it worked out, but that could have <laughs> easily went left. But I think, yeah, the loss was definitely like when I got rejected the first time, because I got so worried. I'm like, does that mean it's going to like, it's over? Like it's, it's done. Like it's rejected. I just messed up my life. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely the moment. Oh my goodness. 
you're going to say love that. And I feel like you're so right where you almost feel like in those early days, everything that you do, it's like, oh my goodness, am I messing this entire thing up? Is everything going to crash and burn in about five <laughs> minutes? Like, oh my goodness, I resonate with that so much. I want to talk a bit about risks. You know, you mentioned that. And I think a lot of people out there or out there listening may be thinking, oh, but entrepreneurs, they just take so many risks. It's too risky. You mentioned that you didn't really take risks and, you know, for you it was quite a big thing. How can we get comfortable with, I don't even like the word risks, but like stepping outside of our comfort zone and doing things that people may perceive as risky? Yeah, yeah. You have to like get out of your own way. I think that was a big thing for me. Like before I even created NC, I would always get in my way. I might have a new idea and be like, oh, maybe not. And then I would stop myself. But it's like, you you never know until you give it a shot. You have to try new things and give yourself grace. And if you mess up, it's it's okay. You can always get back up, try again. It's, it's not the end of the world, I promise you. So don't get in your way. Step aside and just try new things and just see what happens after that, for sure. I love that. Oh, look, Anna, over the last, it's only been about a year and a half, which is crazy. Year and a half, two years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You know, you've received so much recognition for your work over such a short period of time. And most recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Oh, yeah. I wish back then someone would have told me that, you know, it's okay to mess up. I think back then when I created NC, like I, like you said, you like in your early stages, you want to do everything. You want to make sure you're on it. And like, I guess when I created NC, I was very like, okay, I got to be on it. I have to be on point. You know, I wasn't really giving myself that much grace like I do now. That's one of the things. Give yourself grace. Also, you know, it requires a lot of hustle. You have to hustle. You have to want it. You have to be consistent because there will be those times where, you know, you are going to have those bad days where you're like, oh, does this even matter anymore? Should I keep going? But like you have to have that hustle and perseverance to keep going, especially early on, because that's the genesis of everything. Like you have to have that that perseverance for sure. So I guess my last one would be put your all into it. I feel like um a lot of people when they start in the beginning, they don't really put their all into the, you know, the things that they do, not everyone. You know, put your all into it, you know, go after it. Go after everything that you want and and it's fine to go after everything you want. Don't let no one stop you. When you start your brand, there's some people who start comparing their brand to other brands and everything. But it's like, you know, you're on your own marathon. And, you know, don't let anyone discourage you or get in your way and don't second guess what you're doing because someone else is doing that. So just stay on your marathon, have full confidence in yourself and what you have to offer. Such valuable advice. And I love how you called it a marathon because it is. And, you know, anyone that tells you otherwise is just doesn't understand the journey. Oh, I know. Before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done that you're doing, for showing us, you know, in particular us ambitious Gen Z millennial minority women and women of color that if we have that goal, that vision and that dream, we actually can turn it into a reality, even though it may require hustle, even though it may be tough in the beginning, it definitely can happen. And for that, we really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, I also wanted to say like, 
Um, I really admire everything you're doing. Also, um, you know, for all the peers out there, you know, if it's, if it's truly your calling, it'll keep calling you. That was an Instagram quote I saw. <laughs> By the way, I love Instagram quotes, words of affirmation. That's my biggest love language. But like, yeah, that's one that truly resonates with me. And I feel like, um, you know, all the peers should really take that in. Like, if it's truly your calling, it'll keep calling you for sure. Oh, I love that. I love that. The final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, the value. Wow. Wow. That's such, that's such a deep question. What is the value? I feel like you get to like really reap the rewards off what you're passionate about. You get to really see the impact that comes out of it. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that comes out of that and the biggest values, just seeing the impact you'll leave on this earth from doing the things you're passionate about. See how other people are affected by the things that you do. And, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest value out of it for me. I love it. Ah, Anno, it's been so, so cool to chat. Thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you and Nijacom? Yes, yes. So I'm on LinkedIn. It's just my first name and my last name for Nijacom. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I'm easy to find. <laughs> Hit me up whenever. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It's been so awesome. Thank you. Of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.